this is what we fought all night to get back to. Maybe I'll just take off. Well, you know I like traveling too. Where have you ever been? I've never been anywhere. I just know I'd like it. Come on, let's go. Episode 12 of the Cult of Matt and Mark Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. And this week's film is The Warriors, released in 1979, directed by Walter Hill, produced by Lawrence Gordon. Uh, plot rundown, Cyrus, played by Roger Hill, leader of the Gramercy Riffs, the most powerful gang in New York City, calls a midnight summit of all New York area gangs. Can requesting... you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Requesting them to send nine unarmed representatives to Van Cortland Park. The Warriors from Coney Island, Brooklyn, are one such gang. Cyrus proposes to the assembled crowd a permanent citywide truce that would allow the gangs to control the city. Most of the gangs laud his idea, but Luther, played by da- David Patrick Kelly, leader of the rogues, shoots Cyrus and frames the Warriors. In the ensuing panic, the Warriors escape, sending the gang fleeing through the labyrinth city. With every thug in Manhattan in vicious homicidal pursuit, they must also overcome all obstacles in their way pretty so a uh, little background in the film you up for a little background sure yeah let's background it um walter hill uh the director um i guess this is based off a book of uh, the same name but it was written 14 years prior so the 14 mater- years prior huh yeah i so- always consider this as be as a uh, part of the sort of the the dark darker days for New York City before well, they cleaned up. And that was one of the things I noticed about this movie, 1979. Uh, th- that was sort of the late 70s economic crisis. Yeah. And New York was a notorious cesspool at that time. Uh, I think uh, like a bunch of movies kind of came out capitalizing on that sort of uh, blight. Like, I think a taxi driver. Yeah. Um, that sort of like Scorsese used it to Yeah, you think of Times Square as a bunch of strip clubs and porno shops. Right, and then gang-ridden uh you know the gang-ridden boroughs of the Bronx and all that. Interesting when Interesting I wa- that you were saying it was written 15 years earlier. Right. So that would be I guess mid-60s-ish or s- close to that when the original book by uh the individual's name was Saul Urich. That's an inter- interesting name. Um wrote the novel uh, which the producer... Not a Jew, right? <laughs> is that a Jewish name? I mean, Saul Yurik? Yeah. Sounds like an Eastern European Jew name. Uh, not, that I, right. that, not that there's anything wrong with that. But uh, Saul. Well, I don't think of the Jews as big gangbangers. So maybe back in the day? I don't know. I, well, anyway, so he... Well, you got to remember uh, Ben Packard's uncle uh, wrote a pretty good book. I don't know if you ever read it. You read it, right? Yeah, The Second Death of Ivan... Illich? Yeah, it sounded really depressing when you what was described the name of it. That movie, I forget the name. Yeah, of it. it was the no Samuel Hour, right? Samuel Hour. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's some gangs in there, but he was he was Jewish. Oh, interesting. Uh, Lawrence Gordon found the book in a used bookstore or a bookstore with the cover cover torn off of it. Read it, liked it. 
uh, bought the rights out of his own pocket, which was kind of entertaining. He just kind of forked over the cash to whatever agent uh, owned the rights oh. to the old Saul Urich novel. Yeah. Uh, and wanted to make a movie out of it. Uh, one thing that didn't quite work when he uh, uh, approached Walter Hill, the director of the film, was the fact that the novel um, attempts kind of a social realism that the Warriors, the film, obviously doesn't amplify. It was It was like a little bit too much... Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a little bit too much socioeconomic for uh, the movie that they were wanting to make. And so uh, they wanted things to um, be a little bit more futuristic, a little bit more uh, not necessarily tangible to the current. They didn't want it to be a social commentary, I guess, was the thing. Yeah, yeah, I guess I really didn't see it as a social commentary. It almost seemed to exist sort of in a parallel universe. Well, that's what they wanted. The novel was much more tied to, uh, I guess, the realistic... Oh, talking about the problems in New York. Yeah, so. yeah. Eh, okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah, because I, I didn't I didn't see this movie as a commentary other than just a commentary maybe on human behavior in general. Yeah, they wanted it... The, Walter Hill and the, the producer, they wanted it to be a little bit of a time out of place kind of thing with the Warriors. It does. It. it does. I mean, other than just some of the elements that you can't, like some of the elements, because it was filmed in New York City. It was filmed. I'm guessing. Yeah, it was filmed, I think, I forget the shooting schedule, but it was filmed probably over the course of a month. I think that sounds about right. Uh-huh. All at night. So they would start production at 8 p.m. and then they would finish up around 7 a.m. Because all the subway stuff, and those were the actual subway lines. And uh, Correct. And that was definitely Central Park. For that long, uh, it wasn't uh, actually Central Park. Oh, it was it was a park uh, in I guess the in uh, oh, Brooklyn, I don't know. Maybe? My, no, it was in Manhattan, but it was uh, probably not, in the which northern. park are we talking about? The park where the big meeting is. The park with the big meeting. I was thinking of the park where the uh, the baseball furies are chasing oh. them. That looked a lot like Central Park. It could have been. I think it was because that's where it was supposed to take place. Because they got off the 96th Street station. You would have put them in that area. You've uh, hung out in New York City One proper. Well, for a few I've days. been there once, but it was for five hours. Oh, I walked around the city quite a bit. I did not. I was there for a few days. Had a couple of days to myself just to meander. Yeah, you have some a little bit more familiarity just with barely. than me. I mean, it doesn't take much for... I was thinking about mapping this film out, but of course I didn't have time since oh, I watched it last night. You could probably... To really get a good feel for the distances because they start in the Bronx and then they make their way south. Uh, to Central Park, and then they uh, get over to and Brooklyn. They, they have to go through Brooklyn, and then they have to get to Coney Island. Which yeah, is but a, they, they they skip over all that. They just get to um, where's Union Station was. They the just, big... they just get to Union Station, and then basically they're home free. Union Square. Oh, Union Square or something. Yeah. Anyway, well, we're getting still on Manhattan, I believe. And then there was that line from Cochise where he said, "Coney Island must be like fifty hundred miles away from here." Well, it's a good distance. Coney Island's a ways. It's way down in the south end of Brooklyn. Is it? Is the city like that expansive? I mean, it's the, end, it's the end of the line. All five boroughs, it covers quite a bit of territory. Yeah, I guess, you know, to I pack mean, you think of Manhattan's people. pretty compact, compact, but Brooklyn's huge. True. Uh, so the, and, and Manhattan's pretty long. I mean, you think of like, you know, Times Square and Central Park, but they're like, Central Park's like not quite halfway up Manhattan Island. Right, and then you have Harlem and all that stuff up north. Um, anyway, so as as that's the origins of the 
the film source material was from this book hmm. that was written, I guess, 14 years prior. It'd be uh, interesting. I might be interested in checking that book out. There's, uh, you know, did you, okay, how we watched it. I watched it, uh, I got the Netflix DVD, you watched it on. I watched it on Amazon $3 movie rental business, and uh, it looked like it was just a straight recode of the DVD. Did the, they have uh, the comic book stuff in it? No, no, they just have the straight film. There's no, the Okay, because comic books. Though, yeah, um, the original intent of the film was to have uh, some comic book stylization incorporated with the production. Really? I mean, I mean, I thought I'm not sure what that could be. Walter Hill was a big fan of comic books, so they didn't have the budget to do it. The DVD I watched had that cut into it, and it's like not... somebody had finished it. Correct, and there's a little intro where he talks about it at the beginning of the DVD. Yeah. I thought I was just getting the normal DVD, but it was actually had this comic book element incorporated. It's it was cut a, throughout the film. Yeah, it wasn't really a director's cut. It was just these segues had some comic book transitions in them. I mean, segues like where they put the DJ in the movie? No, let me explain. Okay. So, uh, he the beginning part has this sort of splash panel, and it's a comic book stylized picture of uh let me get the battle right here um there was a greek battle uh the battle of kunaxa in 401 bc um and the movie is loosely ba loosely based on xenophon's anabasis the account of an army of greek mercenaries who after aligning themselves with cyrus the younger so cyrus obviously uh, referenced in the film as the leader of the gramercy rifts in the Battle of Kunaxa, in his attempt to seize the Persian throne, but they found themselves isolated by Persian enemy lines and then had to uh, uh, escape from, I guess, Asia Minor out to back to Greece. Okay. So that was the impetus. And so there's this kind of splash panel with a picture of the old Greek battle oh. and uh, some uh, overdub of that that little comic book portion of it is was that was they were they saying that's was the uh basically the source idea for saul when he wrote the book uh there's a character who reads a comic book in the novel mm -hmm. and and or i believe it's the maybe a like a what do they call it classics illustrated version of the of the battle or something okay yeah. make some reference that hey it's like us you know or something like really that. so they had whole other scenes cut in well, there was that splash panel, yeah, um, and then the movie just starts up, and the transitions, there's these comic book transitions, and basically what happens is as they're transitioning scenes, they kind of comic book up the panel, sort of like rotoscoping a little okay, bit. Okay, they, they draw dark lines around the figures. Uh, scanner darkly. Yeah, okay. They, they just freeze the frame. Freeze the frame. Then they'd kind of do a rotoscope over the top of it, mm -hmm. make it at, look like a panel, right? And then they kind of pan, and then they kind of wipe it like a comic book to what would be another wow. panel that's kind of rotoscoped, and then the rotoscope fades, and then it goes into the next scene. That's interesting. I mean, um, I, I I thought some of the editing was nice in this film. Mine mine didn't have that stuff. I mean, it had some nice, did it had have some the wipes? Yeah, the here, wipes right here and there, but there was none of this freeze frame with a sort of it being drawn over. It's not, and uh, I thought the title scenes were really cool, sort of a, a sort of a spray paint look. That Those would, are all the same, yeah. That would wipe out when, uh, but I didn't, uh, I I didn't have this comic book element. 
intro. Those those were that intro sequence with the with the train and the subway mm-hmm. and uh, Barry Devorzen music and mm-hmm. and kind of the uh, little flashes to the warriors talking about the meetup and all that. That's all original. The the what was added is extremely minimal and it okay. actually adds only about a minute of running time to the entire film. I mean, does it does it really add much then? It's what Walter Hill had intended originally. Okay. So they went and did this at some point. I'm obviously not sure about the specifics. Yeah. Anyways, I I must have had the original theatrical release. It's this. It's basically okay. the same. You didn't miss anything. I just thought that would have been cool if you would have. Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't see that. That sounds interesting. Uh. So. Um. Anyway, uh, Walter Hill. He's an interesting f- film guy. For some reason, he has been heavily involved with the Aliens franchise. Um, he's been producer on, he was producer on Alien, hmm. and that's how he originally discovered uh, the lead actor, uh, Michael Beck, who plays Swan. He was co-starring in a movie with Sigourney Weaver, and he wanted to check out Sigourney Weaver for the role in Alien. Uh-huh. And so he watched it, and then he liked Mike, uh, Michael Beck a lot, and decided to have him cast in as the the lead in the as the leader of the the warlord of the warriors. Yeah, I'm surprised we didn't see Michael Beck in more work. Yeah, he was uh, he's very strong in that he role. He's really good, very handsome, and had a had a nice uh, had a I don't know. It just seemed like he was caught the character and acted acted uh, had some fine acting. Yeah, stoic performance. I would say. I was just surprised. I was like, where have I seen this guy before? And I hadn't seen him I anywhere. Seen him anywhere. Yeah, very um, strange. So that's how he discovered Michael Beck and uh, the aliens franchise uh he was um producer on the original alien he uh came up with the story for aliens mm-hmm. which i thought was interesting because aliens strangely has some parallels to the warriors a uh, small group of people isolated by just a bunch of homicidal hostile in the case of the warriors gangs but in the case of aliens aliens huh and they have to fight their way out. And I was trying to think of the appeal of that story. Because there's a lot of stories like it. Yeah, where, I mean, it is sort of a, you know, you get in somewhere and you got to get back out. I mean, I'm sure there's been plenty of war movies like that, though I can't come up with any of them. Uh, I can. The, 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 the few against many kind of idea that... Uh, Behind enemy lines, the platoon has to make it out. Well, uh, there's a movie that I really like, and it was Michael Caine's actually debut film, and I don't know what year it came out, but it's Zulu, mm. where and it's a true account. Well, it's based on a true story of a small contingent of British soldiers at an outpost in South Africa mm-hmm. who are besieged by a thousand Zulus and have to fend them off for three or four days or something like that. Okay. It's called Rourke's Drift was the actual battle. Then, as of late, uh, 300, uh, which is the hyper-stylized uh, Frank Miller yeah. comic book adaptation where you have... In you reality, have, it wasn't... You have all the different crews coming up to... Uh, and, uh, you know, all the different, you know, sort of types of enemies they have to face one after the other. Yeah. So waves and waves. There's an appeal enemies. there with that. And so I thought that was interesting that, that he had came up with the story of aliens and... Um, I mean, it's probably a stretch a bit, but but uh, it, it seemed kind of the 
loosely related as far as the concept was concerned. Uh, he wrote the screenplay for Alien 3. I don't know how he uh, hmm. got suckered into that one. And then he was the producer on uh, that shitty Alien vs. Predator movie, the last one. <laughs> well, did it make money? Uh, obviously not, or you would have seen in uh, uh, Alien vs. Predator 3, because that's the way Hollywood rolls these days. Just... I, re- I really liked Alien 3. It wasn't bad. It's probably... I'll be honest with you. Um, I liked it as much as a one and two. Really? Yeah, I really uh, love the atmosphere. Well, maybe we'll... And I love, you know, had a lot of great, you know, it, what was David Fincher? Yeah, David Fincher, and he's you know, and uh, had had some really nice. I think had some nice. Uh, well, it had a nice look to it. Had a nice cast of all those guys. Uh, it was depressing as all hell. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um. That's kind of Walter Hill's background. Um, they, so the Warriors, he wanted to, uh, what was the issue? Um, there was some issue where they wanted to do, uh, make it a Western? Maybe I have that confused. Um, anyway. Uh, I mean, I guess it could have, it could have been, they could have reimagined it as a Western. Yeah, um... Anyway, so, but that fell through, and then they made the Warriors instead. So, uh, well, uh, you liked the Warriors. You had the first time you'd seen it. Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was quite a blast. Really nice, super stylized. I can see where you see some parallels with 300. I mean, obviously not as incredibly stylized. But certainly not a realistic uh, look of, of, of New York at the time. And it certainly doesn't. Find it doesn't drag itself down with realism as far as the plot moves, like how it treats the cops basically as another gang, and uh, and you know it's sort of uh, the violence is really stylized, and uh, and you know no gang would ever wear wear the colors that they well do. that was and there's a lot of honor within the gangs which doesn't really exist in street gangs. There's that scene where uh, the warriors meet with the orphans. Yeah, you know I really enjoyed. I enjoyed the look. I forget the actor who played the head of the uh, offense. I've Paul seen Greco. I've Paul, seen him in other things. Paul Greco, I and I don't have his credits, but yeah, uh, yeah he was the uh, he went With on the to lazy do, eye. Yeah, he went on to do. I I think he had a fairly decent career. Um, but there's yeah that scene where they uh, meet the orphans, and then they have the whole sort of like um, like an honor based kind of uh, agreement with uh, passing through their territory and uh, talks about, like, you know, parlay. Like, uh-huh. I'm yeah. parlaying. Like, I don't even know if a gang they member nowadays... A, they didn't get a pass and they didn't they didn't seek parlay. And I, I don't even know if gang members these days even know what parlay really means. Well, I guess it's sort of the this Greek thing where it's, it's almost like there's a bunch of city-states. It's almost like it's the city at night. At night, it's a different political structure. There's a citywide gang, the cops, uh, and then there's uh, and then there's all these city states that exist. Uh, tribes and, almost. The yeah, and they I have different power. They're at different power levels, and they have different numbers of members, and they have their own territories. Yeah, the flamboyance of the gangs and their colors. I mean, that's obviously. I I was watching it, and I was like, were there any gangs that had those kind of themes? I wonder if if you're in a gang and, you know, they talk a little bit about, you know, the money's made by, you know, basically sort of like organized crime. Right. Tax 
things moving in and out and a little ex- stuff off the top of businesses. A little extortion. Protection type schemes. Management of the drug trade. Yeah, things like that. Um, you wonder if somebody's in a gang, how you can, that's, you, that would be your romanticized view of the gang you're in, where there is this code of honor and there is a dress that's very stylish, even though it may be subtle to the outside observer. Right. Because you do see some uh, civilians yeah, they're there. very few and far between. Because they're typically be happening in the middle of the night. They're typically in the subway stations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only actual civilian that you, well, there's uh, Mercy played yeah. by uh, Van Valkenburg, who is just sort of a groupie of the orphans, it seems. But then there's the the gal working at the newsstand who uh, tries to get money out of the rogues when they come oh. up there, and uh, um, you know basically just steal candy bars or shit from them. I'll tell you the the, the guy the uh-huh. leader of the rogues and uh who was David actor? Patrick Kelly. David Patrick Kelly. And um his uh they, I, I must have seen him elsewhere. He's right? he, he was in he was Jerry and uh of the Ben and Jerry duo in Twin Peaks. Oh, okay. He was the younger brother of Ben Horn. Okay. And uh he was in there quite a bit probably I think almost every episode. Okay. Um, that's where I know him from. I don't know what else he's done, but that was definitely his most. He looks a lot like Sean Penn. He does have a you little can see bit Sean of Sean Penn playing that role. He looks a little bit like Spicoli a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it was a really great. Uh, I mean, he's sort of the evil character of the movie, but there's almost no interaction except for right at the very end between uh, uh, him and David Becker Swan. Yeah, yeah, him yeah. and Swan. So, talking a Loser little bit Swan. about the, the gang themes, mm-hmm. do you think that there was ever gangs that looked like that in New York? I, I would hope so, but I don't know if that, like, we're just, they all had a dress. Uh, well, that, there's there's certainly dress that comes with gangs. I doubt there's anything like so done up. Like, there was a gang of mimes, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, within the, within the no, who were they? I don't know. I mean, there was, I have the, a list there was of, the Gramercy Riffs. I, that was the big. And they were sort of, the Gramercy Riffs, like, controlled... They were the biggest gang, I'm mm-hmm. assuming, and seemed to, you know, control. I mean, they were able to call this meeting. And they so. always wore the kimonos. They, they were they like were kimonos. They were uh, just sort of uh, kung fu type. Yeah, ones. they were like a black kung fu. Well, it varied. I loved all the, and there was also like uh, uh, notes of uh, standing within the gangs, like headdresses or different colors. There was a lot of work that went into designing these outfits. Um. Yeah, the gangs. I have like a list of them. Here. Oh, the Turnball ACs. Yeah, the turn. Yeah, Turnball they, ACs. Those were the skinheaded guys. Yeah, but they weren't skinheads because they were. They're black I loved and white. All the white. multiculturalism. All the different races got along so well in this movie. Interesting thing was that <laughs> Walter Hill actually wanted to have the Warriors be an all-black gang. Would it would have been because they were all um, they're all like uh, uh, Asian gangs. Yeah, there was, and they were dressed in sort of these weird Tibetan, like, kind of fighting monk outfits. And the punks were all white right. people dressed in their overalls. Oh, they were like, they kind of seemed, the, the guy with the roller skates, and I don't yeah, know yeah. what the, that gang was I think was what they're called, called the punks. Oh, the punks. I think that's was their, what they were called. I yeah, could be wrong. They were all, like, uh, urbanized hillbilly, white yeah, hillbillies. Yeah, it was sort of a weird, and they were all white guys. Um. The, they, were the Furies all white? They might have been too. The Fur- well, they had sort of a, a droog sort of look to them. Yeah, let's talk about the baseball Furies for a second yeah. because to me that's the most iconic gang in the film. Because oh, they had like sort of weird geometric war paint on their faces, and they were dressed in the uh, 
the uh, was, is it away or home gray? Oh, uh, I don't Yankee. know. I don't know what the oh, outfits. I don't even know if it was. It was their own thing because the back said, said the, the Furies, Furies on but it was like a, a gray with blue pinstripes. The baseball Furies were sort of a nod to an actual New York gang. I oh, guess, really? Uh, called uh, Second Base. Oh. Uh, but the second base guys, and I don't know if they were white or black or Hispanic, mm-hmm. uh, wore Letterman's jackets, like high school Letterman's jackets, oh, okay. that had second base on their backs. Oh, okay. So they weren't done up like the New York Yankees carrying around baseball yeah. bats. Yeah. Um, so that was where that idea came from for like a baseball gang. Yeah, I love how they're coming out of a basement like they're coming out of a dugout. Yeah, coming out of a dugout. their bats. Uh, also, Walter Hill was uh, uh, wanted a gang to look like uh, – the kit, like Kiss, because Kiss was big in the late seventies. Oh, I thought I thought it was more uh, a nod to uh... clowns. Uh, no, 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 no. From um, you know the Droogs. From oh, uh... well, they had that look because of the kind of the the white pants that were yeah. sort of tucked in, and the white, you know, the get-ups the were. Didn't they wear hats? They wore different hats, like yeah, they okay. wore bowlers and flat mm. caps and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the baseball furies it, they look like hard helmets but they're actually kind of these leather sort of leather baseball caps okay um maybe like early batter helmets yeah, maybe maybe i don't know hmm. they definitely seem to me cuz they didn't talk they didn't say anything a lot of the gangs didn't say anything some of them yelled and some of them uh you know grunted when they were getting the shit kicked out of them mm-hmm. and stuff but the baseball furies were almost mime like when they, yeah, they were quiet. And those fuckers could run. I mean, they were just. <laughs> there was a lot of running. When they were running away from them, uh, that chase scene and the, the Barry Devorzen music, uh, that sort of like that eerie, fast synthesizer music, and they're just like running away from them, and it's like a marathon. And they got their bats, and they're just like. I, yeah, but the. Uh, the Warriors ran quite a bit too. Because remember when they, when the uh, was it three four guys are running away from the Furies? They had already just ran all through the 96th Street Station away from the cops. Well, that's when the Warriors got split up into th- two two groups, and one guy got ran over by a train. Yeah, Fox, who was played by um, oh, let me see, who was Fox played by? He was oh, I don't know. Actually. You know, the funny thing is that the Warriors t- talking about Fox getting run over by a train. None of the other Warriors were aware of it. And it was never resolved. Yeah, because they show up and and then when they finally meet up again, it was at Union Station uh-huh. or Union Square, and uh, yeah, nobody's. Hey, where's Fox? Well, Mercy remembers that he was wrestling with a cop, so he thought she said that he got picked up by the cops. And nobody knows what really happens to Cleon either. Well, I mean, he got what he got what was coming to him. Well, did he? No, he was like kind of surrounded by the Gramercy riffs. And then, uh, oh, Cleon. No, I thought I thought you were talking about, uh, God, who's the guy who got uh, arrested on rape charges in the park? Oh, Ajax. Ajax. Ajax got what was coming. Cleon. I think Cleon got stomped. Yeah, Cleon got stomped, but Cleon was the only one who knew that he was that the Warriors had been framed prior to him because the Warriors don't know. No, they thought they were just going to try to get home and. And it the, was just they were just in enemy territory. It wasn't not like everybody was looking for them, but they could get. Uh, I mean, like when they were going through the uh, through the orphans' territory, they were just thinking that. It was well, just, the orphans it was, didn't know because the orphans were a second tier gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, it must have not been a big big deal if the wolf the orphans weren't invited, you know. <laughs> and uh, they're they were uh, 
definitely like a minor league game. Uh-huh, but they have their own territory. They have their own territory. They have their own sort of interesting outfits. I thought was yeah, funny. just sort of like uh, Walmart, Walmart outfits. You know? <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, Cleon, though, he was taken down there. Yeah, and, yeah that was their warlord or whatever. They yeah, and, and well, the, you know, when I first saw this movie, I was probably, I think I saw it on HBO when I was uh, a kid. Uh, I think it was like a sixth grade or something like mm-hmm. that. And um, I assumed that that was the entire gang. The Warriors were it. Like nine, that was just a gang of nine. Well, you would, I would thought that when they got back to uh, Coney Island that uh, there would be more of them there. I was for the wa- big fight. I mean, why, why weren't there compatriots waiting for them to greet them? I was watching some... Because uh, they would have been listening to the radio. They would have known their brethren were in trouble. Yeah, Maybe that's all there was. No, I watched the uh, DVD extras, mm-hmm. and uh, they were kind of going into the background of the film a little bit. And they were talking, there was some quote either from Walter Hill or one of the other, I don't know, writers or something, that there was about 120 warriors. There was, because they were a delegation of nine. Yeah, where were they when they got back to Coney Island? Good fucking question. Maybe they, I mean, you know, it was kind of early morning, so maybe they were all strung out in flop houses or something. I I don't know. They got back to their own territory, and they had to make makeshift weapons to fight the rogues? Didn't totally make sense. Didn't. I would think it was their home turf. Yeah. How could the rogues even drive into that area? I don't know where the rogues were. The only thing I could think about the rogues. That they weren't quite in their home territory? The rogues were a competing gang with the warriors, and that's why. Uh, that's why they sort of knew each other. That's wh- a little and bit. that's why they framed them. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of that they that he wanted to frame the gang uh-huh. in order to take over their territory a bit. But that's I all- wonder the feeling I got is with the name the rogues. I always and how they were just seemed to be meandering over the city. I have a feeling that I had a feeling that the rogues were sort of a territorial. Territory lists gang. They had that. They were a small mobile gang that would just wander the the city. They had that crazy, like giant Chevy. Hearse. I wouldn't even. Yeah, was it a hearse? It was just like a Something giant was like a big station wagon limo station. It was just like a giant American station wagon. Vehicle. And they all fit in it like clowns because they would pop out and there would be like ten of them there. I mean, what does rogue mean? Does it have a wandering element to it, or does it just mean criminal? A rogue is just a, uh, I mean, you know, it's... it's Or ne'er-do-well. It's, it's, not, it's not really a cryptic definition. Rogue is just somebody who is outside of whatever convention okay. is... So it doesn't mean they necessarily... So I, I shouldn't really have read in the fact that they, maybe they were a wandering group. It's a good idea, though. I mean, I, I don't know what... But I like your idea that maybe they were a smaller gang... Because maybe they were small, but they were big enough to be called to the convention. Yeah, they were. Maybe they did. Their area did butt up against Coney Island. That's the, the only thing I could think of because, well, they're at the beach scene at the end were were Swan ass. Um, what 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 was David Patrick Kelly's name? I, I Luther. Luther, you know why'd you do it? And he's like, I just like doing things. Yeah, see, that was a great character. He's really nuts. He's chaotic. Yeah, he's a chaotic, evil sort of character. But um, 
one thing that's sort of strange about the framing of the Warriors, it didn't sound like it was planned. So that sort of argues against the fact that they were a rival gang territorially. It almost seems like Luther's just so nuts because he didn't, he didn't seem to try to hide his shooting of Cyrus. And then he just saw the, um, you know, saw Cleon looks, saw that Cleon saw him shoot Cyrus. And so he goes, Oh, you know, it was the Warriors. Like, he just made it up on the spot to frame somebody. Like, he hadn't even thought forward enough that, okay, I'm going to kill Cyrus at this big meeting. Well, and then I'm going to frame the Warriors, which will destabilize the gang next to us and allow us to gain more territory. I just don't see him making that big of a plan. It's, I think it was just sort of all of a sudden, the Warriors, and then in the chaos, somehow people bought that line of bullshit for a while. Yeah. Until... Somebody... Uh, so a witness came forward. Yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, as I see, eventually uh, the rifts figure out what really happened, right. and in the end, destroy the I guess destroy the uh, the the rogues. Um, well, Luther's definitely the most enigmatic character in the entire story because his motivations are like we've just been talking about unclear. Um, How about I love it when he was uh, oh the bottles. I almost used the bottles. Come on out. Yeah, it was, a, well, it was uh, come Warriors out. Come Out to Play. Come Out to Play. And he's banging. I almost use that as the intro. It gets even more maniacal, like, as they... as they, nuts. As, as they're back, the camera's back with the Warriors, and you can hear him screeching in the car with the bottles. Clink, clink. I always like doing that because, you know, there's the physics of it's weird because of the elastic interaction, that the glass has a certain sort of springiness to it, and you get those, you get those, the clinks that sort of come together, and they... The pitch goes up, and and each each uh, each uh, impact becomes closer and closer together in time. It's right. Sort of like, zzz, zzz, David zzz. David Patrick Kelly, that was a bit of a uh, ad. I wouldn't call it an ad lib. Yeah, it was an ad lib. Uh, he got that idea. They he originally the models. Yeah. Well, he wanted to use dead pigeons, and I don't quite know how that would have worked. Like they they don't make a noise, so I don't know what what I read that somewhere that he wanted to use dead pigeons to like his puppets or something and oh like he was talking to him or like he was he put it out the window on top of the on top of the car like a stage and like make a little play with yeah him. that'd be sort of because he was on that'd the pretty freaky too. passenger side yeah you could have so it almost looked like it was a stage play the uh <laughs> come out to play taunt david patrick kelly i guess lived in uh some shithole in manhattan when he was doing probably off-Broadway acting at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a that was from a crazy neighbor that he had. Okay. There come was some crazy play. neighbor that would that would screech come out to play or something like that. <laughs> I don't know exactly what, but that's where he got the idea. Okay. And that's probably the most iconic little bit from The Warriors cuz I've seen yeah, it Maybe I should have taken that as the intro. I've seen it recreated a few times, mm-hmm. uh, like by comedians or something, they'll be mm-hmm. like, you know, taking a couple of like glasses because you can do it almost anywhere that there's a couple of glass objects, right? But you know, as far as the intro sequence, I guess I like, I, I like the little bit of there was a little bit of introspection in Swan, and the intro I have where he's where they get to uh, Coney Island, he looks around at sort of a depressed, get, area. yeah, he's like. Is this what we are fighting for? Well, it's interesting because I was I was thinking about you know Beck did an amazing performance and strangely such an amazing performance that Ronald Reagan had screened the Warriors at Camp David enjoyed it so much that he actually called Michael Beck up to uh, 
no t- way. tell him how much he liked it. Oh, no way. He invited Beck. I can't believe Beck didn't get more work. Well, Ron, I, well, I thought that was kind of funny, but Ronald Reagan was a film actor, obviously, so oh, yeah. he appreciated oh, Yeah, that, that adds another level to it, that he appreciated his work. Because he was well-known and generally considered a pretty good actor, I think. Uh, Reagan? Yeah. I've never seen a Reagan film. Well, he got plenty of work. I don't think he was... No, he obviously wasn't... Yeah, he... He's a handsome guy, but so is Beck. Right. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, so, uh... That is interesting. Yeah, that's amazing. I don't know what happened to Beck. That's a shame. The Swan character, or he seemed a little out of place. I mean, he played a good role, but you could tell that that the gang life was prescribed to him. It wasn't... He seems smarter than that. I, yeah, I, he was looking. I think he was looking for something more in life, and I, I guess that's the subtlety of his performance that I really like, and what I really liked about him, sort of, at, and it's at the end when maybe he should be elated if he was a real gangbanger. He's more pensive about the whole issue. And I was trying to think what, We're wondering what the point of everything is. Right, and I was trying to figure out if you would have followed Swan for another 10 years, what Swan would have been doing. He oh, would, he would have gotten out. Plus, he, would, he was in his late 20s, so you, you, know, you don't see any gangbang. Either you leave the gangs right, or you get killed. Right. And it's hard to tell what would have happened to Mercy. Or, you get in, or you're in jail. Uh, Mercy, you know, who kind of hitches her wagon up to Swan. Yeah, I, I found Mercy to be a, a really interesting character, too. I don't think she was just, she was just sort of a woman that floated around. I mean, I don't think she'd been with the orphans like any sort of long term. Well, and it was plus. And it, plus, I found her really alluring. Yeah, she was for uh, some reason. She was. She had that sort of slutty, you know, gutter kind of look to her. But it, she was intelligent. Yeah, she had a, and it was interesting because she talks about. Um, I thought she was very pretty. The women in her neighborhood, how she didn't want to. Uh, you know, five kids, belly mm. hanging down. Cockroaches. Right. And she wanted, and that's why she was partying so hard, because it was like she was almost admitting that would be her fate eventually. Like, mm. there's just no getting around it. Like, that's who I'm going to be. Um, so I might as, I'm, this is my time. and I'm. Yeah. I mean, I guess if this movie had taken place uh, 10 years later, she'd be HIV positive. Yeah. Or uh, who knows? Yeah. Um, but, but I guess it wasn't so much. It was just something about her, like she was also sort of, I think, like Swan, a victim of circumstance. Swan fell into the gang lifestyle because that's what the world offered to him. Well, and Swan says, like, where you ever been? You know. Yeah, just like he. Where has he ever been? He's never been anywhere. And that's the interesting thing. They were two. They were two really similar characters. You, you felt that they were two people that really needed to find each other, and that it was a good thing that they did. Yeah, and it sort of made me feel sort of warm and fuzzy a little bit yeah um well it's interesting because uh our, our friend ben packer who currently lives in brooklyn um has met people oh is he living in brooklyn yeah they're living in brooklyn i don't know where at. Okay. i don't know brooklyn i've never been there so okay. uh uh but he mentioned something interesting that he had a co-worker who had literally never been outside of the five boroughs oh like okay. like she was i don't know probably in her 20s never been outside i've never been to queen's Probably, and I just thought that that how interesting that concept is of, you know, New York is. I guess it has everything, right? So well, it's just so many people, and with all those people, there's so many different places to be, even though it's so compact. And uh, sort of like living on some sort of spaceship. 
some sort of huge spaceship. Yeah, so there's not like a huge need to like I got to get out to the country. I've been in the city. Too Plus, long. you don't have a car, and you don't have a car. So it's not like you're gonna go. I mean, you got the subway. You got the extents of the subway, and anything beyond that's gonna cost a bunch of money. Right, and and you don't know anybody or anything outside of the yeah. city. You're gonna go to like you know the Hamptons as uh, you know a street kid from Brooklyn. No, you know yeah. you're you're limited to your little universe of public transportation. Plus, if, you, and, if you're not wealthy the amount of your income that housing eats up in the city is huge. Yeah. So you don't really have a lot of disposable income to get out. Right. So... Because uh, you're spending over half of your income on housing normally. Yeah. So when she says, uh, I'd like to travel, you've never been anywhere, and it's like, and it's like I just know I'd like it. And she's probably extremely honest about that because, you know, it's it's her imagination extends further than just sort of the immediacy of, of her surroundings. Yeah, I see those two moving out west. Yeah. Maybe Colorado or something. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else about the Warriors? Um, <laughs> one thing I found enter- entertaining was some of the, the colloquialisms of the time. Oh, I got a great one. Maybe you you got oh, it. Go too. ahead. Uh, strange Wool. Strange Wool. I don't remember that. I love that. I what, love what's that, that reference? Yeah, it happens pretty uh, pretty early when the uh, warriors are uh, loading up uh, uh, to go. Uh, you, there's a scenes of the warrior, the the group of was it nine or eight? Nine. Nine traveling up to uh, up to Brooklyn from because uh, Coney Island, Brooklyn is a big difference. Yeah. Um, and, or Bronx, the Bronx. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, the Bronx. Yeah, they go up the Bronx above Manhattan Island, and then all the way down from the bottom of Brooklyn at Coney Island. It's a long trip. Yeah. And you see them traveling, and and it cuts back to their meeting just before they, they leave, where they're talking about the meeting. And I, th- I don't remember which character says it. Uh, you know, it may have been, may have been Ajax, as he has sort of a, he's a real... Ajax, sort of the really competing alpha male. Yeah, he's sort of an alpha male style, but without the introspection that Swan has. Uh, he, he says one of the good things about going up north, it may not have been him, is the chance to find some strange wool. It's got to be like a reference to... Uh, it's pussy. It's a reference Yeah, I know. Oh, Strange Wool. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. This and, then, is... and then one of the other guys says, come on, man, this is all business. It might have been It might have been Swan. Yeah. I'd have to rewatch it because I didn't really know the characters at the time. Yeah. And uh, uh, and one of the other characters, what's wrong? You going faggot? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That term, uh, oh, yeah. Well, no, bit. it's Ajax who uses faggot, I think, almost exclusively in the film. So that may have been a, that may have been an early interaction between Swan and Ajax. I'd have to see it again. But it would make sense from how they're opposed to each other after the death of Cleon. You know what's interesting now with the... Well, I love that term, strange world. With the uh, proliferation of aesthetic aestheticians I learned this word recently I think it's oh, those aesthet- people that remove hair right uh, nobody would use that 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 word strange wool anymore oh, yeah, because you know a lot of people uh, it's pretty popular and especially the 20 and younger crowd I think. oh man it's like to, we just uh, turn ourselves do, into do, Barbie do, do dolls do but and, people have been shaving their armpits for a long time uh, I guess it's just an extension of that it's just you know why do guys why do so many guys shave their beards uh, if, you ever, if you ever spend any time thinking about it Freaks you out. Well, it's just weird. Why would grown men constantly be shaving their whiskers off? Why is that Why is that a common practice? I don't know. It's a common practice because I think it's a common practice. Or is it a Not that it makes thing? any sense. Hygienic? Well, then why don't you shave all your hair off your head if it's like a mite problem? Because you eat and it trickles down. and I mean, I don't have that problem. I can't imagine. It's, I think it's just convention. 
You may be right. Plus, you need to have the availability of sharp knives. It probably at some point was a, a sign of of uh, sign of wealth. Well, and Islam is a sign of piety. You know, the the long beard. I guess it just seems. You see, it's it's just a weird one of the weird aspects of society. And yeah, I, no, I, right. I I think of people well, doing the same thing in their genital areas. Well, the thing about a similar like, level, it's just the something reason, that is. The reason that you have hair in your genital area and the inside of your legs and your armpit is because those are friction zones. And so as you're running or you're doing things, you don't want to chafe or you're, you, you, you increase your hair. Where... I, guess, I, I guess I don't see what friction's going on in the pubis. Well, heard, I mean, it's... I've heard, I've heard that it's something about it's a pheromone thing where oh, is it, it holds sort of sexual indicator smells. Oh, all right. Strange wool. Anyway, uh, anywho. Uh, the other one I noticed was, uh, and it's sort of bop. Uh, oh, yeah. There's, lots of, there's a lot of terms about getting beat up or getting killed. Oh, well, there's what a wasted. Bop? Wasted's pretty obvious. But yeah. bop, if you substituted bop for bang, uh-huh. I think it would match today's uh lingo oh, or like gang boppers well bangers were boppers bangers were boppers because the okay. the dj and i forget her name yeah that was i i, I enjoyed the uh what was i guess the sort of interstitials with the dj i don't know i, I uh, saw where the it was uh lynn lynn thigpin uh i guess when walter hill was filming her dj scenes that he wanted more tighter and tighter close-ups mm-hmm. until he just got on her lips yeah they said perfect yeah, and I, th- I thought it was nice because it really, they just, because there's a big part in the middle of the film where it's just one gang after the other interspersed with, in between each of these gang events, there's the DJ. I thought it was, I thought it was just, just a nice, real clean, straightforward presentation of the film that made it easy to understand and enjoyable. Yeah, she acted sort of as a... Uh, oh. Palate cleanser. Well, or just sort of a, a, a narrator. Like, and they summed it up. Yeah, like, they beat they beat these guys, and now who else will step in? Or they took down the base. They rounded second base, which is actually a nod to yeah, the old second base yeah, gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, when they took down the baseball furies, and they're uh-huh. now, you know. Um, but yeah, they say bop our way back. Uh, they have to bop our way back when they're trying to get back to Coney Island. Mm. So I don't know, bang our way back. That doesn't really work. Yeah. But, uh, you know, boppers. Um, a lot of word bop. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely. I don't know if that was that was maybe sort of like Smurf. <laughs> I don't know if that was the colloquialism. Can of the you dig it? A lot of nice seventies uh, music <laughs> and uh, references and style. Yeah, uh, the the style that I noticed most was the gigantic afros, which uh, I've always thought gigantic afros make a lot of sense. What the hell happened to him? I mean, there was like a few rappers well, well, who tried well, to bring him back, but they just died. Well, I think it's like long hair. It's sort of a pain to take care of because you gotta you gotta always be picking it out to keep it from uh, uh, getting. Um, oh yeah, they had the pick, the pick that they just yeah, you pick it to keep it from getting into dreads, basically. Right. You gotta always pick it out. It's just like having long hair. Okay. It's a pain. You never growing your hair out. No, I have too many calyx. It's, it's a pain to take care of. You know, you gotta you gotta make sure you comb it properly, and you gotta work the oils out from the base out to the tip where it gets dry and nasty. And it, same thing there. Plus, it's a pain to take care of. I think most black guys just keep it short these days. Cochise had an awesome afro. He was sort of obviously the Native American looking. Uh, and a lot of the women straighten their black hair, which is a shame. oh 
right. Um, uh, the 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 fro I liked was uh, the one worn by uh, Marcelino Sanchez when he uh, who played Rembrandt. He looked like the third member of the Mars Volta to me. Uh, he was like the little Puerto Rican guy. Oh yeah, yeah, he had the Jufro. Yeah, Corolla calls it. Yeah, yeah, he looked like he um he should be uh playing bass with the Mars Volta. Oh, okay. Uh, I can't quite remember what they look like. They basically look like him. Okay. He was sort of a scrawny, scrawny little kind of Hispanic guys with giant afros, you know. So, uh, um, and it was interesting because I enjoyed the I did enjoy the multicultural aspect. Yeah, one of the great, probably non-realistic elements of gang life that you had because in the Warriors you had black guys, Hispanic guys, and white guys. Yeah, yeah. and I don't, I can't imagine that in gang culture that actually exists. I could be wrong. Well, but I can't imagine it. I don't know because there were gangs in the Warriors that were all homogeneous. Like the Riffs were all black guys. Um, the Riffs were black guys, and uh, there were some Hispanic gangs which were named Asian gangs. And some of, some of these, like the Furies, were all white, right? And the, and the Punks. But Coney Island, I don't know what the demographic makeup is of Coney Island. So maybe it was a cobbled together. Uh, I don't know. I've never. Did you go there? Yeah. Is it as depressing as it looks in the movie? I don't know. I just went down to Coney Island, went on the boardwalk. And Is it all like ramshackle? And, and spent some time at the beach. No, it just seemed like a, seemed, uh, at least from what I saw, sort of felt like a Oregon coast-like thing going on. Okay. I mean, obviously with the cities right there. But it feels, there's, there's a distance, too. It's out there. Well, it's a big city. Yeah. Just uh, like you know, Seattle's a big city. Not you know, as big Seattle's as not all like downtown, right? Correct. You go up, you go up, in your area and you go to other areas and you know every area has its feel it's a lot of territory let's talk about the look of the city a little bit oh. and, and the warriors oh, um look, look pretty good the, there was actually uh to get the lighting right uh the director of photography andrew laszlo campaigned to have a rainstorm occur like remember the running out of the graveyard and there's kind of this rainstorm quick rainstorm maybe you don't remember it but uh and then from there on out all the streets had a nice kind of listen to them glisten to because i'm thinking i'm remembering when they're look, looking at the acs and their big bus yeah the, the 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 streets really uh, that was pretty nice and that was a conscious decision by the ad to sort of shine up the film a well little it was bit. the director of photography because he was trying to set up shots uh-huh and, and why did he why did he want the streets wet um it just uh, the the lighting is the lighting effects are it just brings out contrast yeah 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 i, I think. thought that was nice um like i said i watched this movie when i was uh, uh, uh i guess in grade school i don't know what my parents were thinking it's not that hard of an r uh anyway um how is it why is it an r the violence which is is sty- highly stylized uh, I mean, people's language. guts aren't hanging out, even though people are yeah. throwing switchblades. No, that's around. a good point. Is it nobody's is it, eyeballs popped out, even though everybody's hitting each other with bats? There's some language issues, but I don't know if it really deserved. There's no nudity. Deserved an R rating? Yeah, it got an R rating. It's not, doesn't even seem to be that much vulgarity. Uh, I think it must have just been the violence. I think it was the violence. I think it might have been the gang content. I think yeah. the whole gang thing scared people. Yeah. They had some fights break out in theaters, and then the uh, the studio got worried and actually started pulling the film back. Really? Because, uh, <laughs> well, gangs would show up to the movie, and then they would see each other across the aisle and start oh, and know, they get all going at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I saw this at a pretty young age, and I think I thinking this back on like it. PG-13. Go ahead. Yeah, thinking back on it now, I think – Maybe the Warriors had stigmatized big cities for me. Because as a kid, you know, I grew up in suburbia. 
and Seattle was the biggest city. And Seattle's not, you know, not not really a big city compared mm-hmm. to New York. Um, but there was because the look of the city in in the Warriors is post-apocalyptic, and I think that's basically because it was all it was filmed completely at night, where nobody was out on the streets and things were boarded up. It was hard to imagine a lot of those those streets being in the daytime, like with people and and sort of the average you know the average workaday goings on there. It's a totally separate world. It was like a completely separate world, and it looked like a post-apocalyptic world because it was just vacant, you know. And it it gives you sort of a, and maybe that's part of the futuristic. Because in the comic book little intro, it it, it segues into the movie. It says sometime in the future, mm-hmm. which sometime could be what five minutes or five years. I didn't say or... that in the movie I saw. Yeah, it doesn't. I didn't see it. You know, I mean, I understand your future. I I have more saw it as sort of a parallel, or universe, a, I mean, or slightly or a stylized universe. Sure, this is a a, a slightly stylized version of New York. It's forbidding looking though. The the the. I don't know it just seemed to look like the starkness of a city at night. I well, and quite... maybe it's partly to do because the late '70s for New York was a terrible time. I, and I didn't find it particularly foreboding. I thought it looked sort of beautiful. Well, okay, With the I, metal and the and the concrete. I'm and talking the wetness when I, of the rain. Sure, when when I was a, when I was in the sixth grade or when yeah. I was ten years old watching it, it looked pretty sinister to me. You know, it looked like uh, a look. Place... I'm not going to Coney Island at night. It just looked like I I like. New York, I would be hunted down immediately by savage gangs. When you're a kid, that's the kind of impression that you get. So, um, you'd be sworn at by grade schoolers. Yeah, right. Which is what I got fair amount. <laughs> well, and yeah, it's all, it, everybody's foul mouth in New York. Well, it it's interesting because uh, uh, when they're they talk with the orphans, one of them makes a reference to her, their youth worker, which oh. I thought was funny. It was like, could you imagine the Warriors, like you know, some social worker? Uh, like talking to him at like some some community center or something like that. It just seemed funny that they had uh, youth workers that that tried to get the warriors on the straight and narrow. You know, maybe in Saul's version where it was more realistic, that uh, you know, gangs are usually rather young people. In the stylized version, everybody's in their twenties, but in reality, gangs they're in their late teens. I, late teens. I briefly read through the. Uh, Uh, Mark's talking to the cat. So anyway, <laughs> uh, the, in the in the in the actual novel, there's um, there's I guess a part where they try to enlist uh, their youth worker to drive him across back to Coney Island, so to get him to give him a lift. So they the, there's actually a youth worker that appears in in the uh, the book. Yeah, you know, one thing I was why not just get a car if you need to get. Well, I mean, they take a Molotov cocktail and blow a car up in this film. Yeah, I noticed they, that they won't they won't steal a car. Snow, to get back to Coney Snow Island. carries around uh, a giant Molotov cocktail around his neck for like the whole like that up to that point. Like, so he's just you don't really even see it dangling. Maybe it was down at his waist or something. I didn't see it anywhere. They weren't supposed to come with weapons. It was just a bottle of booze, maybe. Maybe I just they, thought that they, was they take a piece of Mercy's dress and they don't throw it at. The orphans. They throw it at a car next to the orphans, 
I would throw it at them. I don't. I mean, I, well, they want the secondary explosion of the gas. Oh, because in 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 movies, cars explode when they catch yeah. fire. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to Anyways, just yeah, but smolder. they wouldn't. They wouldn't just steal a car. Those those are the days when you could hotwire a car. Yeah, you could just totally. And then you just drive to Coney Island, and the problem solved. Grand Theft Auto your way across town. Yeah, that seemed like an obvious solution. But... Well, there were so many weird. There were so many things that were outside of reality. Well, That's why I'm saying so, the cops. We're totally clueless. <laughs> and once once the people they were chasing got on the subway, it's like the radios didn't exist. Um, strangely, they're trying. Uh, Tony Scott, who uh, is Ridley Scott's brother and a director, is trying to remake the Warriors, and he's trying to have it. He's trying to set it in L.A., and he had some kind of hackneyed yeah. quotes about you know, well, New York's vertical and. LA's horizontal, and as opposed to gangs of 30 or 40 people, there'll be gangs of 3,000 or 5,000. But the problem I'm seeing with that concept already is in the Warriors, they take subways and they're on foot to get to the Bronx. Yeah. Fucking LA, they're just, I <laughs> you mean, have to you, be in charge. You have to take cars. You drive everywhere. It could be all city buses. No. I mean, the, you. They're waiting for the 285. They would go, ah, I gotta catch the 285. Yeah, if you had, if you had a gang in in L.A., they'd all drive to whatever park uh, they're going at, in their you know these? outfitted like import cars with spoilers and giant potato shoes. Well, the, everybody would have it'd be part of your colors. People would have the the ricers, and other guys would come with the Impalas lowered. Yeah, you know, with the and then other guys would come in the pickup trucks with tiny wheels on them, stuck with uh, axle extensions. <laughs> Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. That'd be sort of interesting. Well, make it all car-based. Well, it'd be a car chase movie. It wouldn't be a foot chase movie. What's wrong with a car chase movie? Well, that's not what that's not what Tony Scott's going to do. He's going to try to make it, I'm sure, give it some of that original appeal. The driverers. <laughs> I think it'll be stupid. Well, I think you try to remake a cult movie, and, and it just it doesn't work. I mean, like, we did the we did the Wicker Man. The remake of The Wicker Man was shit. Never seen it. I don't know. Something about bees. <laughs> yeah, I think there's some What's YouTube montage bees? about bees. Yeah. Um, I don't know why they're doing it. I don't know why he's doing it, other than to just just uh, kind of chase a dime. Make money. Chase a dime. Yeah. Exactly. Well, look, it's a business. Yeah. So. Plus, I don't know. I don't, I don't. You know, the thing. One thing about this movie is you can really see how mature filmmaking has become. You know, one thing nice thing about seeing some films at different time points is. Uh, I mean, think about Nosferatu and its night scenes. Yeah, right. Of course, there's quite a bit of time in between these two movies, but they're actually out filming outside, not on a set, at night. Just and it's the colors are great. Just I just I'm just so impressed with the ability of you know the chemists who make these this film and how much you know how it matured over the those sixty years or so. The uh, the the uh, cemetery scene. Actually, the film crew had to install additional street lights and lighting in the parks mm-hmm. and the cemetery. It was a pretty well lit scene because they couldn't get enough uh, ambient light yeah. from the the city to mm-hmm. to to do those. Yeah, I mean, it's still a it's still a game of of light, right. but the ability of the film stock to film at night, yeah, and for the colors to pop, yeah, the just, col- just with street lighting. Very nice. Well, yeah, the colors were nice. Like the the you know the, the look of the warriors. They're all like just have these kind of 
imitation leather vests on and they're all bare chested and, mm-hmm. and but the colors really do come out yeah, I mean, the colors are perfect it's great color representation and when they're in the subways kind of those stark fluorescence that mm-hmm. uh um you see um the bathroom fight scene with the uh the punks you know mm. that actually was the only set they ever used in the entire i would film. hope so because they beat the hell out of it yeah like flipping dudes into uh, bathroom <laughs> stalls and shit that was a great scene i love the wood stalls um could you imagine going to the bathroom at three in the morning and they don't have bathrooms i can't imagine i can't imagine public just, bathrooms have disappeared they would just public lock bathrooms them up. in new york are now uh starbucks they're yeah the, they're right the official city operators of public bathrooms and who cleans those fucking bathrooms i mean who would have cleaned that be bathroom bar- barista in between making your mocha <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ooh. enjoy um yeah. anywho uh what were we talking about oh, oh just the look i just the, i just look at the movie i guess i guess i just really love the art of film it's it's shame that all that film technology is just been thrown in the trash bin yeah kodak went kodak's going under or the yeah. Co- you know well, they're they're in bankruptcy protection right they'll spin out you know some of their but just um everything shot just digital. like it just matured and to the point where you see this wonderful filmmaking in 79 was it yeah and uh, that's it's in the dustbin of history and i don't know Can if... you imagine having to re-engineer all those all that chemistry no absolutely off the wall no, I mean that was the basically entire industry of Rochester, New York, was yeah. to uh, come up with just, chemical film deep, technology. You just imagine all the technical aspects of that. No, nope. mind, mind-boggling. Nope, a lot of experimentation. Anyways, but uh, looked great. Um, the the one scene I do want to talk about was the the Lizzies, who I thought were uh, an oh, interesting. Oh yeah, sort of a sireny thing. Well, uh, <laughs> what what cracked me up was this... the Lizzies. The Lizzies. I mean, obviously, it's yeah. supposed to be the Lizzies, you know. Yeah. But uh, what cracked me up is is that they all show up there and they go, "Where's your dudes at?" Like, there's this um, sense of of you know, like a, kind of a blinding of what's really going on there, and and that's where they learn that that uh, they've been framed for the murder of Cyrus because one of the the Lizzies tells them that. Yeah, just before the end, just before they're double crossed. Yeah. Well, just before the sirens pull their trap. Right. I mean, it's a pretty standard. I mean, you see that. So it, it reminds me when we were in Wyoming. Uh, my friend David lived right next to some of the female basketball players, mm. and uh, a lot of the female basketball players were were lesbians. Oh, really? I don't really know why that is. Sort of, you know, there it's, it's could be the culture. Could be the, the culture. Sport. Yeah. So um, <laughs> anyway, we used to have parties at David's place. Mm-hmm. And they used to come over. So it would be basically like Bob, David, and myself in an apartment full of about 15 women. And you think, yeah, still this a sausage party. Yeah, it's still a sausage party. Because <laughs> we'd be sitting there and be like, wow, this is great. You know, we have this party with like 15 chicks, you know. Uh-huh. And then they'd start pairing off and wandering away from the party. And by midnight, it would be. By midnight, you got a rigid. Rigid member in your mouth. <laughs> no, well, the rigid the rigid member was a, a beer bottle as oh, we yeah, sat. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, long neck. Right. And, <laughs> what do you think I was saying? Well, it, it, it sounded a little obvious. Oh, anyway, uh, and yeah, so we'd be sitting there watching like Saturday Night Live, drinking beers by ourselves by mm-hmm. the end of the night. But it was almost the appearance. It was like kind of party Disney. You should take some pictures. 
I I'm think, actually living it up over there in Wyoming. I think oh, we dang. did. Yeah, I think there's a few, and I remember seeing it was like, there's a ton of chicks at those yeah, parties. Well, it sounds like I was really uh, pulling in the strange wool over there. <laughs> no, no, we were all alone <laughs> and drunk by the end of the night. It cracked me up. Uh, that's funny. So what are we doing? What do we get, what do we got here? Oh, we're just now? over an hour. Uh, I don't. Is there anything else that we want to talk about? Um, yeah, you know, the, I guess uh, you know, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was a lot of fun. Right, I, I thought the cinematography was great, especially since it's all filmed at night. I mean, you know, obviously, I'm not. I don't know much about film, aside well, from just watching it. Yeah, we're not. We're not. But uh, uh, as far as how it was tours. edited together, I. I don't know, it just seemed like, it seemed to me that this was just one of those, and we've seen a lot of them because we're sort of cherry-picking the better films out of history. Right. Um, that uh, this film was just, you know, whoever was making this film knew what they were doing. They knew how to make a film. Yeah, and Walter Hill... And they, and they, and they went and did it. And it, uh, just a nice, a nice film. Walter Hill, his, he's, he's, he's sort of a jack-of-all-trades. He, he did a lot of producer work. Especially with the alien stuff, which I thought was interesting, and it looks like he's actually a producer on Prometheus, which is the new Ridley Scott. Oh yeah, yeah. Alien prequel. Yeah, be fun to see. Um, we'll go. Uh, we'll go see that after we see the Twenty One Jump Street re- remake. Oh yeah, that's right. Just remake Fever, um, or whatever. Uh, he did a movie called Southern Comfort, which I liked. It's sort of a uh, Southern Comfort. Well, it's about National Guardsmen who are doing their weekend thing in the Bayou. And they come across a bunch of uh, crazy Cajuns. It's kind of like Deliverance, I okay. guess, is sort of the best. But it's its its own thing. Hmm. And it's kind of the same uh, many or few against many kind of idea that uh, um, that's sort of here in The Warriors. But... Well, man versus man. Classic conflict. Sure. Yeah. And sort of the band of heroes, you know, as opposed to just a single guy. Yeah, it's, but it's great you can identify with them all. Exactly. Because um, there's always always the outliers within the group that get picked off. Yeah, like the Ajax who yeah. who uh, gets caught in a, a rape sting. Fucking dipshit. I, I was just when you know something's up, you know you're walking. I don't know. That that seemed a little obvious. He deserved to go down. That's right. But that's how you were meant to feel. Yeah. That's a pretty straightforward movie. About Fox didn't des- deserve to get thrown in front of a train. I thought actually the guy who played Fox and I don't have his. Uh, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, Fox. Um, I don't have his name, but he was uh, uh, well, he was Windows in The Thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. He buys it in The yeah, Thing, too. Windows. Yeah. <laughs> Gets his head that. chomped off by, uh, uh-huh. by, Boy, by an alien. Boy, he doesn't much luck. <laughs> so. Um, right, yeah. So what do you think overall, uh, Matt? I, you haven't seen this in quite a while since your youth, or had you seen it more recently? I thought I had week? seen it more recently because I remember some of the comic book things being included and i don't know when that was done Mm -hmm. but i think it stands up and i like coming back to it every few years and giving it a watch no this this film certainly i think it'll stand up viewing in 50 years or so oh easily yeah self-contained and uh well and and it's sort of the fact that the that it's not realistic it's not doesn't have it you know the gang look is like clockwork orange-ish uh gangs Never really looked that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that hyper stylized, and probably never will again. Yeah. Um, so when you watch it, it's 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 not dated. It, this movie has a timeless aspect to it, which I there's something, and I don't know what it is about some films that just transcend time. Yeah, I guess it's maybe because they make their own place in the world, make their own 
area to exist in within the film and no matter what happens in the world outside that area always is there because it's always created anew every time you watch the film. right well like a clockwork orange has the same kind of you know non-real or wicker man yeah it felt like it created its own space yeah and that no matter what weird paths the world may take that space will always exist in that film it doesn't depend on you to bring the space with you to the film right yeah exactly uh just a note uh, you're you're a big video game fan. There's uh, Rockstar made a Warriors video game. Yeah, I heard about that. I never played it, but oh, uh, so many. It's like there's so many movies. There's so many, so many, so many video, video games. games, and it's really not unless you want to prof- pr- be a professional consumer of entertainment. There are those uh, folks. You, there's no way you have time. Yeah, there are those folks. They're usually living in a basement and unemployed. But you really don't have any time for employment. If you uh, really no. want to just consume all this stuff. No. Unless maybe if you're a writer or no. you work in the, I mean, maybe if you work in the industry a little bit, you might want to consume more. To, or you're a college student taking, taking like English classes. I don't know. I just don't know why they make so many movies. I don't know either. And why most of them are shit and people still go watch. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't question why most of what anybody does is shit. Sadly. No, it's just the way it is. Most of what I do is shit. Sadly, that's but you try a, to do a couple of great things in your life, right? You just think we're probably only going to have one really good podcast out of the hundred. We will we'll probably eventually do. So you know, there you go. No, I'm joking. I'm just... Way to bring it down. Yeah, Way man. to bring it down. Yeah. All right. On that note, what's, uh, on, what's, uh, what's next? We're going to do Primer next okay, week. Primer. I really want to get a comedy in here sometime too. Well, we did Primer's a good film. And I well, Heather's was a comedy. We just did I've, that. I've, oh yeah, you're right. I don't know what's. Jeez, dude, you have not laughing enough these days. I guess not. All right. So, uh, well, we want to try to do one a little bit more contemporary, and it it, it seems that the two thousands are a bit uh, lean on the cult films. Uh, a listener, uh, Aaron Connell, I believe, proposed uh, Brick, which I I wouldn't mind doing sometime. Um, but I, I think we're going to try to do Primer because. Uh, it's a low-budget science fiction yeah, film. Yeah, six grand or something. Super cheap. I think all they spent money on was film stock. And amazingly, they filmed it on film. Must have just been before oh, the transition. Yeah. When, do you know what the date of the movie was? Uh, I think it's 06. 06. Or maybe it was 04, I'm not sure. I think yeah. maybe it was 04. Yeah. Just before, I think that uh, you could get yourself a nice rent a... I mean, it became cheaper just to rent a digital camera versus buying film stock and renting a film camera and all the lenses. Well, it's a movie that kind of gets away from you. you. You need to watch it again. So it's it's. it's I think when I watch it again, I'm a little worried I'm going to see the tattered edges because of its budget. Uh, It'd be interesting. It'd be something to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Like what what are the really the limitations when you go super cheap? We're, we'll be doing primer next week, and uh, until then, have a good week. Bye bye. <laughs>